I've learned that it's the simple things that you can do in your life that will bring you the most happiness. I think that's my why, is not only to live a life like that, but also to share that message with as many people as I can. The future of work isn't about shareholder value, technology, metrics, or automation. It's about being human and putting people first through actionable love. Welcome to the Love in Action podcast, where we hold deep conversations with extraordinary people to help you grow as a leader and expand your business. Here's your host, Marcel Schwantes. Welcome to the Love in Action podcast, the show to help leaders reimagine the workplace as humane and human-centered cultures of caring, connection, and belonging. Because here, we believe that's good for both people and for profits. The future of leadership is Love in Action. Glad you could join us. My guest today is Ken Rusk, author of a book, his latest, his brand new book. It's not so brand new, but it is new to me. <laughs> That's why I have him on the show. The book is called Blue Collar Cash. Love your work, secure your future, and find happiness for life. Ken is a blue collar construction business entrepreneur who has launched multiple successful endeavors over the last three decades, but he had humble beginnings. For the first several years of his working life, he dug ditches. He poured concrete and he waterproofed foundation walls. And since then, he dug his way to a good life, one shovel of dirt at a time. And now he teaches the world to do the same. He coaches and trains job seekers to take control of their lives, particularly those without college degrees. Ken is also president of his own company, Rusk Industries, which he's going to share about shortly. So Ken Rusk, welcome to the Love and Action Podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. So to start off on a positive note, Ken, what makes you smile when you get up in the morning these days, you know, in the midst of the craziness around us? I've learned that it's the simple things that you can do in your life that will bring you the most happiness. I think that's my why, is not only to live a life like that, but also to share that message with as many people as I can. Mm, I love that. Okay, let's get into the book. It's called Blue Collar Cash. What inspired you to write this book? And specifically, why now? Well, it's one of those things, you know, I, I have a staff that grew from six people when, in, when I started in 1986 to, to over 200 now. What happens along the way is you tend to have to hire a lot of people. You meet a lot of people. You get acquainted with a lot of people, whether they're, it's their first job or their second job, or maybe it's their fifth job. And the, the, the one thing that kept coming back to mind was it felt like lately we were getting people that weren't really so life prepared when they came in the door. You know, they didn't know some of the basic things that I thought they were still being taught, whether that's being taught by society or even at their home or in school. And so for me, it became almost an alarm bell, if you will, mm -hmm. that we need to really think about how we're preparing people to go into the world and, and take on all the challenges that come their way. So it was a real simple process. I had gotten involved in a lot of coaching and um, I, I built this really cool kind of process to get people aware of what their life could look like. The more I did it, the more people said to me, you know, you got to put this message beyond the four walls of your company. You got to get it out there for all to hear. So a year and a half later, here we are. 
Yeah. Okay. So if I had two minutes to give you to tell the story from the beginning, what would you say? And were you destined from the start to be a, to have a blue collar career like you do now? Well, I'll tell you, it's, it was, yeah, it was kind of interesting because my high school shared a fence with an industrial park and there was a hole in that fence and we would go after school through that hole in the fence across the industrial park into the carryout where we kind of hung out after school. I mean, that's what kids did. So there was a, this particular building always had all this energy coming out of it. People and machinery and, and tools and things going back and forth, dump trucks and whatever. And I just found it energetic. So I went into the building and said, what do you guys do here? I'm 15. I need pizza money for my girlfriend and I to go out and gas money for the car, that kind of thing, like anybody else. And they said, well, we dig ditches here. And, and that's, that's kind of how we make this work. So I said, well, I can do that. And what happened was I joined that company. I dug ditches in the summertime and I worked in the office in the wintertime because I was still going to school. And I knew from that moment on that, that I could control my input and therefore my output. For me, it was all about, well, if I can control my life and my money and my finances, then I can attach that to certain goals. And I've been doing the same thing ever since. And you know, that's going on four decades now. So. Mm, yeah. So you paint, this, you paint this picture to your readers that the kind of life that they should be reaching for, the ultimate goal they should be setting for themselves to be successful is founded on three words. I'm not going to give away the punchline. So three words really is what you arrived at to get you to where you should be to be successful. I'll let you share what they are. Well, it's funny because as I was writing this book, I kept coming back to the same thing. What's the purpose? And you know, I, I was writing a letter to my daughter at the time because life goes by fast and she was getting older quickly. And I was like, man, she's 12 already. I can't believe this. So it was all for me about what's really important in life. And, and at what level can you say to yourself, I have these three words. And they kept coming back to me in this order, comfort, peace, and freedom. So I define those three words as the catch-all, like that's the magic triangle, because those words interdepend uh, on each other. It was just a very comforting thing for me to create a vision for someone to say, it doesn't matter what level you're trying to achieve, we're not all going to be looking for mansions and, and mega yachts. If you can look in the mirror and say, I have achieved the vision of my life that I wanted, I'm comfortable and peaceful and free, you've probably beaten 99% of the people out there. And so that's why we stuck with those three. Yeah, that's great. So you dedicate a whole chapter to sounding off the alarm, Ken, about a crisis in the American workforce. I didn't know the extent of this crisis in our workforce until I read this book. I mean, so I want to unpack that with you, and we will do that after a quick break. Don't go anywhere. Hey, leaders and managers, Marcel here. You probably already know this if you've been following the show. The question comes up often. What's the purpose of this show? What's the why behind love and action? Well, the simple answer, we need to eliminate suffering in the workplace and help leaders to flourish. Because when we have good leaders in place, the people under their care also flourish. That is really good for business. And by the way, as an extension of the podcast, I launched a leadership development course. It's got a catchy name. Check it out on my website. It's called From Boss to Leader. And in this course, I teach the skills that you often hear on the show. 
things like how to communicate more effectively, how to engage your employees to put out their best effort, and how to build a high-performing organization. So check it out. I'm taking calls right now, and I'd love to personally chat with you to see if this course may be a good fit. Reach me on my website, marcelschwantes.com, and click on Virtual Training. Okay, we're back. Ken, tell us what crisis are we experiencing right now in the American workforce? Well, real quickly, one of the things that's happened is we removed shop class from high school about 30 years ago. And what that did is that unintentionally prevented um, millions of kids from discovering the trades just accidentally. Carpentry, plumbing, electrical, machining, home economics, mechanics, all those kinds of things kind of went out of our schools and we replace those rooms with computers. I've always said computers are important to learn, but it should have never have been a binary choice, one or the other. And what happens now is those kids, they are all kind of being funneled towards college. I mean, you've got this thing now called college prep. Well, college prep should not have eliminated shop prep. Those two should have coincided beautifully like they did for many, many years. And now it's all focused towards college, which, again, if we create a whole bunch of college grads, who's going to do these other jobs? So we've kind of swung the pendulum towards only college is the way to go. And we've kind of created almost a stigma towards the blue collar work. And what that does is it creates a supply and demand imbalance. So if you have a lot of demand and a little supply, that's where the money goes. And that's why I wrote this book to kind of shed light on the opportunities that are out there right now. So are we experiencing a, a blue-collar boom in the marketplace? Well, look at it this way. For every five electricians that are retiring today, only one comes online. So what is that going to do in the future? And the same happen, is happening with stonemasons and carpenters and, and, and a lot of these other, these other trades. So out of a problem usually comes a solution. Out of a storm comes a clearing or a silver lining. And what happens now is if you have the ability to be tactile in your learning, meaning, you know, you're not like a book person or a studier, but man, you can craft something with these two things, you know, your hands, you have an amazing opportunity to write your own ticket in the blue collar world right now. Mm. Okay. So for people that uh, are either, you know, parents that are raising kids and they're nearing college age, or perhaps they are looking at career options, et cetera, et cetera. Why do you think people are overlooking blue collar jobs? Despite, like you said, you know, you, you believe that the white collar jobs are kind of shrinking. There's less demand for it, although that's very debatable. Right. But th- there's no doubt that there's a, a blue collar explosion, explosion going on. You depict that quite well in your book. So, what are some of the reasons that people are like, mm, blue collar is not for me? Yeah, I don't necessarily think that white collar jobs are shrinking. They may be changing in how they're done, right. but there's no doubt that the demand for blue collar is booming. And again, I mean, I, I look at it this way. Sometimes you have to be a contrarian thinker. If everybody is moving to the right, you know, it says that you probably should go to the left. Or if everyone's moving up, you might want to think about moving down because 
you're going to be a more specialized person that way. And when you think about you know, the types of salaries that these people are garnering right now, it's a very honorable thing to create a beautiful stairway or to frame a house or to create a, a beautiful stone kitchen outside someone's backyard. And lots of these things are being, are being overlooked simply because society has this weird shift right now, this societal norm where you think if you don't go to college, you're not going to compete. Well, if you think about this really quickly, there's 165 million people working in the United States and about 70 million of those work with their hands. So just by those numbers alone, college isn't meant for everybody. It's meant for some, but not all. All right. So I'm going to piggyback on the college debate. Should kids go to college in 2021? That's a really awesome question, and I get it asked all the time. I look at it this way. If you have an absolute reason to go to college, okay, like, for example, if you're going to operate on my shoulder, okay, because I'm a golfer, I'm going to want you to know everything there is to know about operating on my shoulder. If you're going to manage money, if you're going to teach people, or if you're going to design a building, you're going to want to know all that you can possibly know. But if you're just going to college to get a one of those bland business degrees, okay, where you just go and hang out for four years and you know, maybe you get good at beer pong or something like that. You may want to take another look at it because we are way overproducing those types of degrees right now, which means we're oversupplying the market with those, which means you're not going to find the money that you want. In fact, you may be 70, 80,000, 90, $100,000 in debt and come out with a job that's paying you $50,000. It's going to take you an awful long time to get over that hill. Yeah. You want to make a comment? Because if you don't, I definitely will about. Apple uh, CEO Tim Cook's comment. Yeah, this was really interesting. In the research for the book, we found out that Tim Cook made a, a comment that 50% of the people that he was hiring last year for Apple did not have a college degree, which means he understands the ability to go find someone who can do great things for his company. And he kind of gives them his, his own little mini version of college in their training and the way he molds and shapes their minds and and what he wants them to do there. So you're going to see a lot more of that coming in the future. Yeah, I had to bring that up because uh, that took me by surprise when I read it in your book. I mean, Apple is a, is a tech company and they're in the knowledge business, basically. In tech, right. you got knowledge workers. And so you automatically assume that, you know, to work for a tech company, you got to have a degree. Well, not only that, but most people don't know this, but to be a coder does not require a college degree. Mm. That's a very important position within one of those companies to be able to code things. So that's almost kind of a trade or a skill that people are learning and skipping the whole, you know, debt and four-year thing. So yeah. I love that you have in the back of the book, you list all of these occupations that don't require college degrees. Let's just mention a few of those. What what are some of the highest paying blue-collar occupations these days that you are that you found? Well, again, I, I look back at Sometimes you need to be willing to do something that other people aren't, okay? And again, if that means you're working with stone or you're working with wood or whatever, but we have finished carpenters in this town that are making as much money as family doctors, okay? Just because of the supply and demand problem. And not only that, but customers are waiting three, four, five, six months for these people to show up because they're so in demand and their skills are so, they're so rare anymore that people are willing to wait and willing to pay. And we're finding that happening with plumbing and we're finding that happening with, with landscaping companies and, and welding, especially millwrights and 
machining is a big one. There's a lot of careers there. I have a blog on my on my website and my Facebook page. We list all the jobs that pay more than $100,000 a year. And you'd be surprised how many of those jobs are readily available and in way in demand right now. Yeah. And we'll put that blog page on our show notes uh, on my website if you want to check that out. Ken, I want to get into the love part of our show. And you have such a heart of a true leader. You do a lot of coaching, mentoring, training, where you take people with an idea and guide and empower them to achieving their goals and dreams. So two-part question. This is the servant leader side of Ken here. What what called you to do that, to coach these young people, many of them just starting out when you're the president of a company with so many other responsibilities? Yeah, I look at it this way. I've always said to the people in my office, I can't get what I want, nor can my company get what it wants or needs until all of you get what you want first. And, and I absolutely mean that. I've said that in front of hundreds and hundreds of people over the countless meetings that I've, I've had over the last few decades. And the reason is, is, we know that there is much more power in a collective group of people who all believe they are in control of their own destiny. And I think that's a very, very important point. If you add to that, the simple fact that a wise man told me a long time ago that to whom much is given, much is expected. So I look at it this way. If I can help as many people as I can realize the dreams that they want with and through my company, I'm going to win at the end. I mean, I'm going to win eventually. And everybody has their own version of what that win is. But as long as people are, are feeling like they can control their future and make it happen for themselves, they tend to look at me and say, thanks for the training, Ken. Now get out of my way and let me go do it. So it's, a, it's a, just a highly energetic, it's a wonderful place. It's a wonderful way to work, actually, to have that type of, that type of driving force. So. Yeah, yeah. So I want to put our listeners in the coachee chair and ask you to coach them like you would coach you know, one of your employees. And you got these five steps to achieving any goal. And these are the principles that I guess that you use in your coaching, right? Right, correct. Okay, so walk us through each one. And I'll just give you the first one. It's well done. What does that mean? Well, I believe that you need to congratulate yourself whenever you change the, the, your mindset. I've heard people say, I couldn't quit smoking until I just said, I'm not a smoker anymore. You have to identify as this new person. And, and therefore, I congratulate you for doing that because not many people are willing to do that. Mm. And so I, I think that's, that's the first one that, that I think is very, very important. All right. Step, step two is identify the goal. So coaches through identifying the goal. What does that mean? One of the things I have the people at our office do is I have them get a, a, a white piece of cardboard and I hand them a good old fashioned box of 64 Crayola crayons and I have them draw specifically what they're after in absolute crystal clear detail. What kind, the name, uh, the horsepower if necessary, or how long it should take or what the, uh, the size of it is, or whatever it might be, I have them draw it in a crystal clear fashion such that they can see it perfectly in their mind and then keep that in front of them. So you have to identify a goal that you wake up thinking about. If it's not something that strong, then you need to move on to something else and find something that you really are passionate about getting. Yeah. And, and if you're listening right now, you don't have a box of crayons. I mean, this could be as simple as journaling. Absolutely. With that, right? Yeah. Sure. All right. So the, the, Step three in this little mini coaching process, at least for us, <laughs> is build certainty. Walk us through that. 
Well, it, like with any goal, you want to make absolutely certain it's going to happen. You want to change this from an if goal to only a when goal. So if it's something that's going to take you X amount of dollars or X amount of time to do, you need to chop that goal into little pieces so that you can celebrate a win every Friday or every weekend or whatever. So you need to have a, a, an absolute clear start date, an absolute clear end date, and there is no doubt you're going to do this. The only difference is how long it takes you to get there. So if you put yourself in position to see the end, to begin with the end of it in mind today, you will certainly get there. Mm-hmm. Step number four, you call it set it, don't sweat it. What is that? Well, I'll just give you a simple example. I had a gal that wanted to go visit her relatives over in uh, Europe, and she knew that that would take her $3,000 to do that. So she said, man, someday I'd really wish I could do that. I said, well, let's set that up today right now. If you look at $50 or $60 a week that you save, you could go there in a year. If you want to do $30 a week, it's going to take you two years. You can see how this works. So what you have to do is take that amount of money, put it into your payroll, take your payroll and have that deducted into a separate account that you can't get your hands on. And then all you do is once you set it and it's in motion, you don't have to sweat it anymore. All you have to do is live through that amount of time and you know for a fact that it's going to happen. And here's the key. I've done this many, many times. I've been all over the world. And I can tell you that the anticipation of that goal is clearly as much fun as the actual goal itself. I love it. And then the last step to achieving any goal that you help coach people through is time to share. What is that? You have to find somebody that you love and that you respect and that will hold you accountable because as you're walking down this path, you may trip, you may fall, you may stumble, you may want to turn around, you may get scared, you may be fearful of something, you may want to go backwards. And this person has to have their hand on your shoulder and they have to push you forward when that happens. So I always believe that you should share it with somebody. The, the quick story that I talk about is the first time I ever dove off the high board at the, at the city pool. I had a long negotiation with four of my buddies, and it took me maybe 20 minutes to climb that ladder and get to the end of that board. But I can tell you what made me jump off that high dive when I was a little kid was those four guys down there egging me along and saying, you can do this. So I truly believe that you have to have someone on your side that you love, you trust, and you respect, and who will hold you accountable when they need to. Well, you probably have coached, I don't know, countless people to achieving their dreams and their goals. Is there a good story, a good testimony that you want to shout out to that person that maybe followed these steps to attain great, great success? Yeah, I would probably say that it would be my production manager, Tim. He, he's been with me for 30 some years and he came to me in, in, in a tough time a long, long time ago. And he was the first person that I ever actually coached. And he was in a bad way. He had a bunch of things that were going wrong for him. And we just sat down for three hours with a piece of paper and some markers. And we just drew out his path out of this, the, the, the abyss that he was in. And we started dreaming really big. And we got him out of his debt. We got him into his first new truck. We got him saving all these accounts. We got him put into his 401k so he could retire without any issues. Then we found him a piece of land and he paid that off with hard work. And then he built his first house and he raised some, uh, four kids. And I'm just so proud of him because he was at a crossroads of, am I going to crash or am I going to get my way out of this? And am I in control? 
And I think that's the thing we walked away with was how much control he had over his, his future destiny. So great job, Tim. Mm, awesome, Tim. <laughs> well, Ken, as we wind down here, uh, we have a tradition to ask this question on the podcast and to tie it into practical love and how leaders lead through practical love. Love, in this case, is a verb, not a squishy feeling or emotion, but it's, it's uh, action-packed to empower people to succeed and, and remove obstacles from their path so they can thrive. What would you say are some ways that leaders can practically love well day in and day out for business results? Well, this is an easy one for me. I think you have to get rid of this preconceived idea of what a boss is, okay? You know, you think of the guy in the 50th floor with the big desk and everyone's below him and, you know, there's people in the mailroom all the way up through the 15th floor, through the 30th floor and what have you, and they're all climbing that ladder. I like to get rid of all of that. And I would encourage everyone to do this. Get rid of your ego, get rid of the word boss, and just make sure that you are as excited, as involved in the people that work with you in their goals and futures as you are for yourself. Because the more people you can get on your team that are all growing in the same direction, the more fun it's going to be, the more energy you're going to have, and the more results you're going to have. I can tell you, the people in our office took our company a lot further than I could have done on my own. And I know that sounds you know simple, but they took it a lot further than I, than I could have on my own. And so that, that's why I'm thankful for them and, and their, their successes and their achievements as well. Yeah, I love it. I've been banging on that drum for 20 years now that when you take care of your people, they will take care of the business. Everyone succeeds. There's no doubt. Yeah. Well, we end our episodes with two questions. Personally, what's really tugging at your heart right now that you would like us to know? I, I think this, I, I feel bad for the seven-year-olds through the 16-year-olds that are listening to everything happening in the world. And they're thinking like, wow, you know, you're, you're like parents and adults and professional people. You're supposed to make this better than it currently is. So I feel bad for those kids who, uh, I, I got to tell you, this world is an amazing place. And your relationships, your families, they're all really beautiful things. No matter what situation you're in, I want to tell you that there is more than hope. There is so much happiness out there and there's so much reward. And if you just put a little effort in and you realize that you are in control of what's going to happen to you, you're going to be able to kind of put blinders to the rest of that and just live your best life. And, and I, would, I would just hope that I could get that message out to as many people as possible. Very inspiring. And you get to close us out today with that one thing, that final takeaway that we can bring home with us. What would that be? I would say this. You will never achieve anything that you can't see. The mind is a really amazing thing. There are people that have said this before me, but what your mind clearly sees, it attracts itself to. So if you want to look at the good things, your mind will attract yourself to those good things and your actions, whether voluntary or involuntarily, will walk you there. So be careful what you wish for. Make it amazing good things. Focus on the stuff that you see clearly that would make you happy that you're passionate about. And then your body and your mind will actually take you there. He is Ken Rusk and the book is called Blue Collar Cash. Ken, if people want to connect with you, where do they go? Well, they can go to KenRusk.com or they can go to Ken Rusk Official on Facebook where we talk about, we have a lot of 
information there about opportunities and trends in business and, and job seeking and all that kind of thing. Uh, we also talk uh, very passionately about Make-A-Wish because I, I give the, the proceeds to my book to Make-A-Wish, which I think is an amazing organization. And um, so if you're supporting me in the book, you're supporting Make-A-Wish because they're, they're actually getting the, the revenue from that. So yeah, you can find me uh, on Instagram and, and, and even a little bit, we're starting to build our Twitter out and all that kind of stuff. So uh, here we go. We'll see where it takes us. That's awesome. Well, I've learned a lot, not only from the book, but from this conversation. It's been uh, such a treat and a pleasure to hang out with you today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me and, and good luck in 2021. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Doing so will help more people to find the podcast so we can keep spreading the Love in Action movement. Until next time, don't forget, the future of leadership is love in action. Believe it, practice it, and be convinced.